On this week's Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and I have Mel Kuyper on to talk NFL. No, we don't. We have Mark from Twitter who talks a little bit about betting into these different kinds of uh, information markets like the NFL draft. And we preview our Vegas trip. And we actually never talked about Rory again, but maybe we should talk about the Rory thing at some point. And with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a out with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast where Rufus and I are in the same city. We're actually like probably about, I don't know, half a mile from each other, but we yeah. haven't really figured out technology to do the podcast in the same room. So we're doing it um, together and uh, on Zoom. You mean apart? Apart, something like that. Uh, how did you, we were, went, out, went out for drinks last night, which was kind of fun. Um, it was fun. Saw a bunch of people. I like your friend. Um, he was, he was, uh, who should those are your friends nameless. and your brother and those types of things. They're like much more tolerable to hang out with than you are. That's is- you know, I surround myself with more interesting people than myself. I think that's what do they the say? Key. You're the average of the seven people you hang out with. So your average oh. is pretty high. Um, so that's good. Uh Brian Mead showed up, uh, founder of the action app, which was kind of nice. So we'll give Brian a shout out. And the sports uh, action app. What's that? The sports action app. Yeah. He's actually the, the 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 product, which is a good product. Less less, he's not the content piece of it, which is a, which is the piece that I think people. Well, he was the sports action app before Action Network existed. There you go. And, and you were an inspiration for our podcast. He was. He is initially. the creator of the podcast broadly, and I think he gets credit for the name, right? No, he said he wasn't the name one. He said I was the guy that came up with the name. I think I came up with the name. See, I, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, revisionist I think, history here. You're Malcolm Gladwelling it. I'm Malcolm. Please don't mention Malcolm Gladwell on our podcast. No, that that would. I almost got kicked out of a conference once because I was trolling Malcolm Gladwell, and I had gotten a free ticket to the conference, and he was the keynote speaker. Well, one time I was. Um, at the Sloan conference and I was talking to David Epstein, the guy that wrote um, range, which we've talked about in this, on this uh, podcast a little bit. And we were just talking about Malcolm because like range and a lot of the work that Epstein did was in response to sort of uh, outliers and the 10,000 hour rule and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, like uh, if you guys haven't read range and we've kind of referred to it on this podcast, you should, it's a great book about, um, you know, specialized versus generalized learning and so we were just kind of like talking about Gladwell and I was kind of doing my typical spiel about like what I don't like about him and all that kind of stuff. And um, then Gladwell walked into the room and Epstein gave him a big hug. And I was like, oh, I feel like an asshole now, which is oh, nice for the course for me. Um, did you uh, you get how late did you guys stay at, stay at the at the bar? Did you go somewhere else after that? We went to the bar next door. Wow. After just for like a drink. Um, but you know, probably stayed out later than I should have on a weeknight, but I don't know. I ended maybe up going to Teresi. Have you ever been to Teresi? No. 
it's like the same people that do Carbone. It's a, a, a new version of Carbone. It's called Terezi. And I went there and met um, a guy for a drink and had had some unbelievable food. You love the restaurants that you think are trendy. What's funny, Jeff, is that uh, a friend of mine, when I, the last time you were in town, or the um, basically said that your restaurant choices are what was trendy in 2008 or something like that. Carbone, you mean? Yeah, and that other place in like Flatiron. I forget what it was. What was the place? That was the big one. I met you there. Oh, Scarpetta. Well, yeah, Yeah. I mean, I don't, Scarpetta's not like necessarily trendy. It's just a good scene still. And right, what was the scene in 2010 or something? That's still, it's still pretty good scene. Basically, they were saying you're old and and, and your idea of what's the scene is dated. Well, for in the, for, for, in my defense, Scarpetta was not my choice. Scarpetta was the choice of the people I was meeting who live in New York and are um, what I don't, I don't need to be on trend. I'm my yeah. own person. I, I have my own on trend. You can have your own opinion. I think, I think just... Terezi is probably, I, I would, if, if that same person that's so cool that they know everything that on trend is listening, I would, I would think he would say that that's on trend now. Why do you think it's a he? It was a she. she. Yeah. Whatever. Believe it or not. Women can have opinions about restaurants too. Well, and when scenes. you said friend, I, it wasn't the fact that I thought the women wouldn't have an opinion. I thought because you said friend that you were referring oh, to a man because I a, a man is not allowed to have female friends. No, that's none of that. There was no allusion to any of that, Rufus. Which I know you're trying to be funny, but again, it's not going to happen. This funny thing for you, just let it go. It's not okay. going to ha- stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not happening. Uh, Fair point. Moving on. Tilted moment of the week. Mm. You know, I honestly, nothing comes to mind. Like I had a good week. I, um, I know mine. So we were betting baseball and essentially we're just cruising, you know, winning a few units every day. And then Friday we had uh, the white Sox against the, the rays. And I think that was like almost plus 200. And they were winning the whole game and they were up by two runs going into the ninth and they end up giving up three runs in the ninth to lose. And do you know how sometimes you just know that like you're, you know, you're like on a heater and all of a sudden then there's like this moment where you're like, oh shit, this heater might be over. And then from that moment forward, we've just proceeded to hemorrhage money every day. And so the tilted moment was that moment where at the time I was like, eh, that's bad, but we've been doing well, you know, variance happens, but we haven't, we haven't recovered. You yet, didn't so. really, you didn't know that at the time it would be that moment or you kind but of had this inkling. You just worry. Like you kind of worry, like when you're on a heater, when like one of those things happens where you're like, Oh, maybe the heater's over. And then like all of a sudden the next few days, you just keep losing and hemorrhaging money. So um, have you been anyways. watching more, baseball since you started hemorrhaging money have i been i've been tracking it a lot more yeah i haven't so, i haven't it's so funny how we take the opposite track there i know like you you follow stuff more closely when you're losing and i follow it i, I don't follow it at all when i'm losing i only follow when i'm winning basically when i'm on a heater yeah well hopefully we'll get back on a heater today um yeah, l- let me know who i should be on maybe i'll turn <laughs> things around for you yeah maybe we're now going to welcome in our friend Mark from Twitter to talk a little bit about uh, betting into gambling uh, to this, these sort of information markets like the NFL draft. And then we'll talk to you guys all again on the other side. We now welcome into the bet the process podcast, 
Mark, just Mark, no last name, uh, from Twitter. Mark from Twitter. That's actually a great way to say it. Hey, Rufus, do you want to have Mark from Twitter on the Bet the Process podcast? No, Mark, who goes by the name Sprots Better on um, on Twitter and is a... Are you a card-carrying member of Seville or are you Seville adjacent or... What is your uh, what is your they, official affiliation to see? I actually haven't had the yearly meeting yet to approve my membership. Um, you know that. Did you not? Did your membership dues lapse? No, it's like a lifelong commitment. Um, okay, got it. Kind of like the Catholic Church. Um, but no, I'm definitely Seville adjacent. <laughs> is probably the right um, words. I definitely wouldn't claim to be in Seville. Just vaguely there. But yeah, excited to be on. Long time troller, first time. <laughs> uh, question because Wait, we I always know, refer to see what's I want to know who the closest comp is to you on Twitter. If you had to say this is well, who, the what's most your similar similarity score? Account. Yeah, who's, yeah. Who, who has the highest similarity yourself, score? Who would you who would you use as your model? Um oh that's a hard question. Uh that's what we do here. We ask the hard like questions. Seth Byrne, but with social skills. <laughs> um okay. I don't know. Like that's, that's high praise for yourself, by the way, because Seth Byrne is a pretty incredible troll and is obviously very intelligent. Yeah, you had a really good appearance on this podcast. It was actually the best episode, I think. Um, Some people yeah. think that's the worst episode. That's the that's definitely the um, that has the biggest tales. It's from a distribution of people. Like a lot of people really liked that episode, and a lot of people really hated it. But it was yeah, definitely Taleb, Taleb says that, that episode was anti fragile. I think that's his review. It was high on the. Um, uh cringe scale though for sure yeah yeah let's see if we can top that today so rufus and i um were thinking about who to have on this week and we want to have people on you know obviously the probably the biggest news in the the betting world right now besides the hemorrhaging that i'm doing in baseball is the the um the actual uh nfl draft and sort of how that has come about with sort of this will leave us uh, Levis, I, someone tell me how to pronounce his name. Is Levi's, Levis? like the jeans. It's Levi's? No, it's no. not. <laughs> Rufus, you know not. Oh, and Telemachus. Telemachus, I did it. Telemachus. Everyone should be proud of me. Uh, so, Spanky. Spot? Just checking things off the bingo card. Got it, got it. Um, describe what happened in the NFL draft betting market this week and sort of like how it happened, and then we can discuss a little bit about because your background, obviously, having been both a professional better and having worked behind the counter at points bet, um, and having booked these types of uh, bets, you have some level of understanding of how these markets move, and and you know would love to sort of just one set the background on on you, and then maybe move into the NFL draft stuff. Yeah, I mean, just this week, first and foremost, I guess. The biggest news was the Reddit thread that made uh, NFL draft market the number one overall pick market, which is supposed to be like somewhat liquid for this kind of thing. Move, I think it was 50 to one, and then it got as short as maybe four to one, and multiple books took all the markets down for a while because of it. Um, and yeah, I, the, as far as I know, there was no actual smoke behind any of the rumors except for a reddit thread um i didn't bet any of the 50 to one the 50 to one because i didn't 
particularly think it was real and also have a kind of a tiny bit of an opinion that Will Levis is not a particularly good at football, but we'll see how that bears out. Um, but yeah, basically like, I think draft betting at the scale that it happens now probably has only existed for two to three years, I'd say. I think the first draft that people were really betting on kind of nationally was 2020. Like, not to say that there wasn't draft betting before that. That's obviously wrong. But, like, the level of handle we did for 2020 at points bet, for example, was absolutely insane compared to the other things we're doing. And I think that's true of basically every book in the country is because that was the only game in town at the time because of COVID. And then from there, you know, 2021, 2022, and now 2023, the offering has kind of stuck to that same level of, you know, over-unders for a massive number of players. Like you start to get derivative markets really early. You start to get all these different markets um, where, you know, traditionally in the past, no books were offering these things for any serious period of time and the limits were also questionable. So not to say that the limits now are high, but yeah, it's completely changed. And things like a Reddit thread um, causing somewhat something on a market that you actually can bet quite a bit of money on to go 50 to five is like, yeah, it's it's kind of shows how ridiculous these things are. Um, but I mean, I they, guess, the thing is yeah. like, it's not... Everyone's like, oh, I can't believe this happened. But the Reddit thread caused companies to completely go illiquid, right? Like, you know, they're like, we, we've, yeah. had, we've had a, you know, we had GameStop and we had like, th there's, you know, if they can do that to the public markets, which certainly have um, more liquidity and, and there's more differentiating opinions and there's more regulations on that, what can these Reddit threads do to sports betting broadly? And does this pose a threat? to sports betting, especially these types of information, you know, bets um, where there's a I long lead time to them. A bit, sorry to cut you off, but I think that comparison's like a little, not lazy, but it's very like easy to make just because it's Reddit, right? Re really what's happening here is like somebody on the other side of the counter is seeing a bunch of bets come in at whatever price point at a book where you're not necessarily incentivized to actually, you know, take risks with your own opinion. So like, let's say five or 10 bets come in and will leave us at 20 to one. And you might think the fair price is a million. It doesn't, you're not, you, nobody's coming into the office if Will Levis doesn't go number one overall and patting you on the back and saying like, great job. You've done an incredible amount of work here, making us this amount of money. What happens is the one time that that kind of thing actually wins, where you're wrong for whatever reason, um, you get fired. Maybe not fired, but like I, you know, I have we have specific examples from points bet where we've got it in incredibly good, you know, taking a standout opinion, probably the five times in the in the company's history that they've ever done that. Uh, but like when those things lose the questions aren't like okay what was your expected return on laying this bet like what price did you lay it out what price did you think it was it's kind of like 
how did you let this happen? Why are you doing this? Like, as opposed to like questions that are probably more relevant to actually making money. So like- It's an outcome-based analysis. Yeah, hundred percent. And then because, you know, agency costs rule everything as one of my colleagues used to say, it's like, you don't like you're not acting purely to make as much money as possible on behalf of the company you're kind of acting in a you're doing that in a very risk averse way so like yeah people see will levis bets come in levi's levis whatever and your incentive is just to keep cutting the price like you're not even if you have the strongest opinion ever sorry um that he's not going number one like what incentive do you have to actually take a standout opinion there and like someone at circa might be able to do that because they're empowered to do that by matt metcalf or whoever else but if you're a DraftKings, like and you lose x amount of money on the nfl draft that conversation is not not going well for you like and they're not praising you for winning so right so it's oh. classic principal agent yep. problem at yep. some level. And then Jeff is the I, principal agent on this podcast. Just so I love know. I love principal agent problems. Like yeah. really I love any anything that can I can say that makes it pretend like I have an economics degree, even though I've never taken an economics class in my life. Unfortunately, it's probably the bane of my existence. Um, okay, so I, I I get now why you were saying I was making a lazy comparison on the GameStop stuff, um, that seems realistic. Do you think from a, you know, like the 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 draft stuff is is here to stay, obviously. I don't um, think it is. You don't that think it is? my opinion. Interesting. I think, sorry, go ahead. What are you going to say? No, that's you? interesting that you don't think it is. Well, I think like fundamentally the way things, like this Will Leavis thing, for example, I don't know if that happens last year. You know, I think people are always looking, people people on behind the counter, but also on the other side of the counter, think of things in terms of like, what was the last similar event to this? And because drafts are so low frequency, like everyone's looking at it from the perspective of, um, you know, what happened in the last set of drafts. So like of the NBA. obvious example is Paolo, uh, but like, you know, since that draft, everyone's always looking for, you know, okay, surprise number one overall picked happened. So therefore, the next time there's any rumor about any player except for the guy that's supposed to go number one, like the market is considerably more volatile because everyone's much more likely to jump on information, which is a little bit more questionable than they would do before. And from a bookmaking perspective, the same thing happens where like, okay, we got absolutely killed, um, you know, laying an outsider to go number one, but they're not thinking about it necessarily like probably probabilistically, they're thinking about it from the perspective, okay, like, you know, again, my boss gave me a dressing down. So how do we make that not happen again? Well, we just don't lay that much money on these markets. Um, and also it seems like as well, if you read some of the public interviews with trading directors and that kind of thing, like there's a lot of complaining going on about inside information. So, you know, I don't know whether 
the leagues necessarily want this to consider to continue on forever. Um, is like, you know, does the NBA really need to have betting on the draft? Like, probably not. Like that, much... that's not really in the spirit of yeah, no, I it's a it's a fascinating topic. You mentioned inside information. How much inside information do you think is, you know, like in the, you know, and, and I think the hollow reference is good if that's a recency bias, right? There we go. There's yeah. another uh economics term, um, behavioral economics for all Jeff those crushing it at home. Yeah. Jeff is absolutely crushing it today. I am it's a the availability heuristic, also. You know, they can imagine it happening again because it's that's so yeah, that's that's yeah, I think that is actually accurate though. Like that's what happens is these people think about things like this. I would say, like, if the question is how much inside information there is, probably ironic for me to be talking about this, but not that much, generally speaking. Like most people who are making a serious effort of betting the draft, obviously they're hearing things and they're betting on hearing things, but it's never a case or very rarely a case where somebody has a specific piece of information or anything like that. It's much more, you know, traditionally speaking, the edges are things like a player is minus 300 to go number one. And, you know, all of the public discourse is the player is going number one. Um, there's no real reason why they wouldn't go number one. So, you know, the minus 300 is probably close to like minus 1500 or minus a thousand. And you the just... favorite long shot bias. Yeah, exactly. And it's the kind of market where, you know, you have to tie up money. So laying minus 300 is kind of different to, I don't know, doing that on something that's the same day. Um, but yeah, it's, traditionally speaking i think inside information is not actually as much of a problem as people think it's just like with anything it doesn't really matter if the perception is that that's the case then that's where like the optics damage for these leagues potentially i i see at some point reaching a point where they're like well this is just not worth offering betting on anymore okay so do you think the panthers know for sure who they're going to take um and do you think the orlando magic knew no i know, mean i, I don't i like that? the neither of those cases probably did like i don't have you, a strong opinion um really like they have the whole off season to figure this out and they're wait they're down to the last few days no, I, I probably they probably they do. I'd say probably they a hundred percent do in both of those cases. But it's like, okay, well, I don't how... think I think like there's other incentives at play to keep that information in house that is com- that is completely unrelated to betting. So broadly speaking, I think we know that there is inside information happening in sports betting, right? I, I think we've we've talked before about once getting information on a golfer that we knew wasn't particularly playing well and was was sick and things like that. And um a lot of times this inside information inside information it, that he wasn't playing well. <laughs> well he was he was playing well, wasn't feeling well and he wasn't he and the rounds that he was playing he'd played with a friend of ours, right? Like that was yeah that was the point, right? And so we had this inside and then he went and made the cut. And we, we almost we almost lost that bet. Like yeah. a lot of this time you get this inside information that you think is foolproof. You move markets 
and then you know you you lose them or whatever. And so, um, in the case of the draft stuff, right, there is again we go back to this idea of what you were talking about, which I think is is pretty fascinating, right? There's not an outcome being played out on a field. There's not a lot of randomness, and so sometimes this information, in a case if we again of like hollow or of of um bryce young right now like th- there there's some certainty there and um you know that information is is probably even more useful than oh maybe this plug person isn't playing like right now if you had inside information on De'Aaron fox and how injured he was and and whatnot like that 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 would be interesting right so how i guess from a broader perspective like do you think you need inf- inside information to bet these markets? Like the people you know that bet these markets, do they use inside information? What 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 would you say on that topic? Well, you did. It's like def- that depends on what your definition of inside information is. So there's obviously like different degrees of like okay, let's say I'm running a gigantic syndicate and I'm paying trainers on a team. Um, to essentially feed me injury information like the that's like the the that that i would consider to be basically bordering on illegal is like you have a commercial relationship with someone somewhere where you're getting information from them and and you know the information is like on face value true so like okay let's say somehow you figured out how to get into sacramento king's organization you're paying a trainer to feed you information about their injuries and like you're getting it before the market. Like there's probably someone somewhere so, out. Quick, quick question. Pull between the three of us. If you had that opportunity, would you take advantage of it? Yes or no? Golfers don't have, well, I guess they do have trainers. Um, can I play the fifth? Like, um no just be no. honest i mean you you haven't done you're not we're not doing it yet but but like if yeah. that opportunity are you, are you saying well i think it would be different i don't this is going to sound dumb but i this is gets into all these philosophical like questions on if you're the one causing the information or whatever like but would i be would i have that relationship or no, am i getting bias, a second hand that's omission bias well, I was thinking I, about the whole like train right the train track is going and it's going to run over the somebody unless you divert it <laughs> And if you divert it, you, you save people, but you actively kill somebody else, but you save the 10 children that were on the track. Yeah. You know, this is what I took a philosophy course in college. What's this is what you learn about perspective on betting uh, injury inside information where you're paying the trainer. Like what's, what is, yeah. Is there a Buddhist perspective? on well, that? So I, what I, I think is I'll ask Kadam Morton next week during <laughs> class. I, I, this philosophical question is fascinating, right? Because I think all three of us, I, I think I probably would not get into a situation where I was paying the trainer, period. Like I just, I just wouldn't set that up. But I think if someone told me information that I felt was pretty strong that they'd heard from a trainer, I would probably honestly utilize that. I wouldn't be like, I'm not going to use that, right? Like, yeah, 100%. I think every most people would, but it's like... You're not going to be the one to set it up. You're, yeah, you but, would but also yeah. the issue as well is when you're not one the one setting it up and you're not paying for the information, it therefore is not the same level of information. Like you're, you're then handicapping what someone is telling you 
you know, does this person have a track record of telling you things that are true? Like, are they the kind of person that would have access to this kind of information? And that's kind of where a lot of the draft stuff happens and yeah. a lot of everything else is like, you know, like, is this person actually a reliable source? Do they know what they're talking about? Um, you know, I'm on the golf course with so-and-so and he's saying that the owner's daughter's friends is saying this about who they're picking. Like that is like the vast majority of inside information on this stuff, as opposed to someone giving you the stone cold nuts. Like it's very, is this information actually worth incorporating to my process? And yeah, like if there's a guy on Twitter who goes by the handle, I think it's Hagren um who's very very smart loves to troll this podcast um and i think he bets like he's posted a couple of like write-ups in the past about his nfl draft betting and as far as i know there wouldn't be that many people betting the nfl draft bigger than him and he's like not necessarily tapped in at the organizational level there's no like you know he's not talking to people in organizations and he's like literally done write-ups about what he thinks will happen in the draft and you can see how he's evaluating individual pieces of information like oh i heard this this is what i think about it like i mean i can just reply um to the podcast with an example of that but like what everyone is doing is essentially they're not paying the trainer to get the information they're hearing things the same way you know, a Schefter or whatever would maybe with less direct sources. And yeah, basically incorporating that information, whether it be in like something like a, you know, this player is going to go number one overall, but also like what are the second order effects of that information? So like, I don't know, an example that is actually makes sense is like okay let's say paolo is going number one well what does that mean for the second and third overall picks and if other people are getting the same information as you are on this this kind of thing the way to maximize it is always to look at the things that are the second order effects so in the same way that you know everyone can understand when Giannis gets ruled out of a game which way the side is going to move the total, generally speaking, moves a little bit slower and differently because it's harder to, like, you know, every group in the world can sit there and just hammer the other side. Like, let's say Giannis is ruled out tomorrow against the box, like, sorry, against the Heat. Everyone is just going to go about the Heat side. Well, if you can figure out everything else that is going to move based off that, that is, like, harder to actually notice and like how to play it with same game parlays and that kind of thing that same dynamic exists in the draft where okay other people are going to have similar information to you because it's inside information it's not something that's only you have how do you maximize that information well it's like not necessarily betting i don't know let's say you know will leave this is going number one well it's betting i don't know bryce young to go number two at whatever ridiculous price that is at this point um so yeah i guess that's a good example and there's the people and especially like you know you have all these adjacent markets 
that are dependent on it. And those are monitored less closely and they're, that's where you can scale things and be probably also better off in terms of not getting your account like shut down or, yeah. or limited. Well, I think it's also just like, again, because most people are not operating in the, I don't know, trainer context where the information is only yours. Like particularly on the draft, people are mostly betting the same rumors and the same stuff. You know, I mean, the Levis example for there's no way number two and number three picks markets moved as much as the number one pick did. Like if you just took, if you wanted to get incredibly scientific about it and built like a, I don't know, some sort of Markov chain or something where like, okay, this player goes number one, what happens to number two and number three? Like the probabilities, everyone loves to do the implied probability charts these days based off DraftKings draft markets, but like, the probabilities definitely didn't change um, in those markets as much as they did in the number one market. So, yeah. I'm not sure that's a markup chain. But... No, but like, yeah, okay, fair enough. I guess I didn't do... It's uh, okay. We're, we're throwing out the words. Yeah. This is like a nerd stats econ paradise podcast right now. Uh, for anything else you want to cover with with Mark, I think I think um, the idea, like broadly speaking, of whether like draft stuff will continue, I think begs a more int- you know broader question, which is you know a lot of these things that I think people are excited to try to get betting on, like the Oscars and things like that, things that aren't like I wonder if the trouble that they've had with this will discourage regulators from allowing more of these you know voting like you know mvp with these voting events um yeah you know i was i I still am pissed off that who was it damian williams didn't win that mvp in the super bowl and whatever it was i know i had him too isn't that weird i had him also like 60 to one or something like that two touchdowns and like 150 rushing yards and mahomes yeah still got it yeah and back in in the the your favorite super bowl jeff um that um when Brady got it instead of um, Julian Edelman, no Edelman got it, didn't he? No, no, no. I'm talking about the Falcons Super Bowl. Yeah, James White Edelman... had like four touchdowns. Got it. it should have been I don't James think Moore. there's integrity yeah. concerns with those. Like I, yeah. generally speaking, it's just like those are just pure narrative, and like handicapping awards is just handicapping the narrative just as much as like you can um like predicting what voters will vote is not a case of i don't know training a model on what they've done previously because these things change so often and what voters value changes and you kind of just have to like listen to what they're saying and listen to the statistics that they're looking at and listen to like all of the discourse that people are putting out around these things because i don't think there's like super bowl mvp for example you know they the public information about how that's voted on is like the vote is done before the game's finished like there's all these like weird little tidbits out there that you can find out about when things are voted on that shape how you should price the market if you're betting on it for example 
like I, a good example is like i don't know the world cup um golden ball which is like the best player in the entire tournament they have a goal because i know they have a golden boot and then they have a uh Golden yeah, ball. the boot, and this the is boot called is the golden scorer. ball. The boot <laughs> is top scorer, is and ball is is um best player at the tournament. And like the way that you price ball depends on knowing when the vote is is done. So anyone who watched the World Cup final, like obviously, I mean, Messi was good, but Mbappe played an insane match. But going into the match, if you knew that they were voting before the match was over, like there's not really that many ways that Messi is going to lose the award. Like the, the condition for Messi losing the award happened and he still didn't lose. And when, when we're like, I had a pretty big bet on it because I knew that with some degree of certainty that like the voting was happening before the end of the match. So like, that's the kind of thing that matters in those markets as opposed to knowing specifically who's voting for who it's like what are the parameters that go into this vote like okay if this votes at half time then that means the result of this match doesn't necessarily nearly matter as much as the rest of the tournament um same thing for like mvp voting is like people probably would they like have their ballots finished five days before the voting deadline or a couple of days before the voting deadline? So then you end up in a situation where like prices are moving off games that don't matter at all to the markets. Like if everyone's ballot is already done, um, why would a market move based off a player scoring, I don't know, 30 points in a meaningless match? And like that, well, game. Um, and that happens quite often because people are betting on these markets without actually understanding how the voting works. And yeah, I, that was a long tangent. <laughs> no, I think I think it's actually pretty insightful. And in, if you go to the Super Bowl MVP, is that voted? When is that voted? Because I've always I've always heard people like say that you know like they get their ballots in before the fourth quarter or whatever. So. Or well, like in the fourth quarter or something like that, they they turn them in, right? Is and and so if that's true, then the adage of oh, if you like the you know the whatever team to win, just bet the quarterback, you know MVP, blah blah blah, right? Like that would actually say that that's not true because it's possible that you know in a close game that if a quarterback has a really good game, he, he could still lose, right? Yeah, I mean, I think like you just have to think about things logically like rules like that work for certain players and they don't work for other players like uh, a good example is like the rams in like when cooper cup won super bowl mvp is like naturally your instinct is to think that stafford because he's the quarterback should be priced at x number um but you know, probably a reasonable condition of Stafford even playing a good game is Cooper Cup having a big game. So, yeah, the market is probably pricing Stafford as if he's like a Mahomes when, you know, there's a, there's a very clearly like a star receiver 
on the team that has a lot of equity to win the award um and in a lot of times where you know Stafford plays well and Cup has a big game like Cup is going to win that head-to-head in voters eyes um but if you if you just want to focus specifically on the example of like knowing when the vote is I think that matters for things like I don't know like Aaron Donald I think got a sack at the end of that game potentially um and then Cooper Cup also scored like at the end as well um and they definitely do things like okay maybe we need to check the vote yeah i mean otherwise you'd have like if a team comes back and wins like oh it's like yeah we picked the mvp on the losing team yeah so it's more there's no fixed rules i think like because again when you're betting on, on that kind of thing it's very difficult to actually get the solid information on this is a hundred percent when this vote is happening. Well, I mean, think about like a beat writer writing a new, a new story about a baseball game. Mm. You know, they, they are basically outlining their story and writing most of it before the game is over. They want their goal is to have that story written when the game's over. So they can rewrite if they need to based on what happens but generally like it's going to be unless there's some crazy ending that story is basically written before the ninth inning it's good yeah it's the yeah, same I, is it the same type of thing well that's i mean that's how you get mahomes winning super bowl mvp off one pass basically um and yeah it's again like you're never going to have perfect information about when the vote's going to be who's voting all of those kind of things but Unless one of us gets to become voters, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, not happening in our um, But it's also, it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic changes with the betting and particularly awards markets and people like Bill Simmons having votes and talking about awards on their podcasts and like even ridiculous things like people accusing the Memphis scorekeeper of manipulating statistics so Jaron Jackson could win defensive player of the year for betting purposes when it's like there are many other ways to do like like you could just bet on props day to day why would you do it just to bet an awards market um but the thing there is like the people controlling regulating betting but also commercially managing betting for these leagues don't understand it so it becomes all about like an optics problem and if you don't understand how inside information typically works then like something that looks like inside information and isn't or something that is inside information doesn't look like it like these people are still making decisions off not even understanding sports betting so you know the nba could just snap ban all awards markets because they find out that one person um you know told a friend who they were voting for once that could just happen even though like that kind of thing potentially has happened before and um yeah like it's it'll be interesting to see what happens with all those those kind of things all right let's get you the seven questions and then get you out the door so first question, who is funnier, Rufus or Jeff? Um, probably Jeff, I think. Yeah. 
I think this is intentional or non-intentional comedy because Rufus is probably funnier from an unintentional standpoint. Yeah, I I would I would agree with that. Who's smarter, Rufus or Jeff? I mean, yeah, Rufus has already corrected me on one incorrect economic concept on this podcast. So probably Rufus. There we go. Well, he has an economics degree, so it's kind of unfair. Uh, Who is uh, what's the least relatable food that you like? um least relatable i mean i i'm not impartial to caviar so probably that Ooh, there we go but you have an accent so that makes sense <laughs> uh what is your favorite gambling moment um probably when boston swept brooklyn round one of last year i had a very very large bet on that to happen on the sweep yeah that's awesome uh what is the favorite bet you are making in the next year in the next year yeah anticipating um as in best valued right now or like what are we talking yeah just kind of like seeing the future what bet are you going to make that you think you're going to i think presidential election 2024 um depending on who wins the nomination will be I, I can't imagine there won't be value betting against trump again so i think like if trump wins the nomination and it's biden v trump you're probably going to get something like minus 300 ish maybe a little bit bigger biden and i yeah, I can't see him losing that election unless he really fucks up the campaign. Oops. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, worst loss you've ever had? Um, probably the Celtics last night. Um, no. I. Did you have the points last night? No, I just needed them to. You had I money needed, line, right? I needed. I needed like. Well, I needed them to win in five games. Um, what a bunch of idiots yeah the, there's a lot <laughs> probably last year Boston in the finals I think not that they deserve to win but um, monetarily that was pretty bad you, you and I are kindred spirits because I had a lot of Boston futures last year from like December Boston futures January, every year for every January. year were they, they fan driven though or no I, he always um, says they're not fan driven but well yeah. you, Rufus, you remember like sense. last year at the end of the year we did a podcast with cheetah yeah and we asked for a you know crazy ass prediction and his crazy ass prediction was that the Celtics get their shit together and win the championship and so that's, cheetah knows his audience that's, was that mid-season or end of end of nba season what's that this was like december yeah, well, that, I think that was that was they were like sixty to one or something insane. Then um, I think I got probably wasn't insane for how yeah. they were playing. I but... got forty to one and twenty to one, so twenty one to win the East and forty to one to win the. To... Yeah, that checks the the true like sixty to ones out there, and Jeff's taking forty and twenty to one. <laughs> the I don't believe in price shopping. I, no. I I believe in giving the book a good price. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not challenging if you have the ability to get the best odds uh person you'd follow blindly um probably um 
yeah, Diggs on Twitter. Diggs, I would follow him blindly. Wow. He's he's like Rufus's biggest nemesis now. Yeah, you're gonna really cover I, don't, this. I don't have an issue with Diggs. You blocked him for a while and then and then I had to talk him back talk you back in a yeah, like, but I think that's a natural. Well, I, I just went, I was just going through, I just was like going through and blocking you know, the, people. The thing where... about Diggs is he is a relentless troll, but I do find his he's a good bellwether on a lot of things, content-wise or you know, information-wise. And like I I sometimes lean on him to ask him for like, Oh, Hey, we, we want to have a guest on to do X, Y, or Z. Who do you think would be good? And he'll, he always suggests something with some snarky comment, like, Oh, you'll never be able to get him though. Or something like that. Yeah. Is that what he said when you asked him about me? We didn't ask him about you. So <laughs> we'll, we'll find yeah, out if he actually listens to this. He'll have yeah. some cringe worthy thing to say, I'm sure. So Mark from Twitter, thank you for joining the process. Was that podcast. the last question, Jeff? I feel like there's only six. No, that was that was all the question. The okay. other question is why does why does Seville hate Rufus? But we were gonna use that as a, <laughs> as a cliffhanger at the end of you know like a Sopranos episode and just shut the music off or play play Don't Stop Believing or something. Yeah. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Thank Mark. Thanks for joining us. Always. So I think that was good. I mean, I think it was interesting. It was definitely interesting to have his perspective. I thought there was a few good tidbits from it i thought the idea of like understanding when things are voted on was pretty interesting i think the principal agent issue with sports books and the reaction to some of this stuff and the recency bias between the nba and nfl draft i think was interesting and then i thought the broader macro question of like are these bets or these markets going to continue was was interesting also what what did you think no, I agree. And I think it makes sense why a book like Circa is not too keen on on booking this stuff. It's It feels like right now everybody's booking it because everybody else is booking it. And if, like they have to, but, but books are not trying to make money on these markets. They're just trying not to get slaughtered. Well, why, I mean, why would they, why would any of these books bother? I mean, why wouldn't just not offer them, right? Like if That's they're not making question. a lot of money, and they there's a lot They feel like of... they need to because it, because other books are, and I guess you feel like you're going to lose customers yeah. if someone they're... has to go over to another place. Yeah, actually, that's super interesting, right? There's a lot of uh, why do you, why do you, like... why did casinos have sports books for so long? They were like lost le- considered lost leaders, but you get you get someone's more likely to stay at the sports book if you know they're their wife can go play slots and the guy can go bet on sports or something. They're lemmings, right? Like kind of like there's a little lemming effect yeah. here where you, you have to, you have to do it. Um, yeah. I never thought about that from a standpoint of like why they have to offer them because they're so worried right now about losing customers and, you know, having them. Yeah. Interesting. And in a way, I mean, if you want to figure out who to limit, you can pretty, you could probably pretty easily identify somebody that's, maybe someone they should limit based on bottom line um, from who's betting, betting drafts and how they're betting it. Yeah, probably. I would think. Uh, have you ever bet drafts? I've not. I remember hearing rumors with the um, Paolo. That's the guy, right? Paolo yeah, back in the NBA. Yeah. NBA draft before, but I didn't, I didn't bet it because I was, it was already, it already moved pretty hard. And I was like, I don't know the veracity of this information. Right. 
Um, Do you? No. I, don't, I mean, I don't... I'm not a, we talked about this last night, like this, you know, the, the, you make fun of me for betting into like the toughest sports book in the world. And the idea of like running around and trying to find outs and places to get down on this stuff is just not, it's not, not interesting to me has not never been that interesting to me. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not trying to exploit these types of markets for whatever reason. Like, and I don't, I, I think if I knew like, let's say my, my family was away for some reason and I knew I was going to sit down and watch the draft. I'd probably want to bet up, bet something on it because I'd want some action riding on it. True degenerate. Yeah. I've, in the best I've said way. I said, I've said I have yeah. more degen in me than you do than like typically. And I'm, I'm readily ready to admit it. Um, but I don't think I would ever bet it big. You know, I think I'd bet a few thousand dollars here and there on something like that, right? A few hundred dollars. I, pr- I probably yeah. wouldn't bet a few thousand. I'd probably just bet a few hundred and just call it a day. Um, Are you looking forward to Vegas? Yeah, I am. Rufus and I will be in Vegas this weekend. For those of you, anyone that wants to find us, we'll try to do a better job at uh, telling you where we'll be if you DM us on Twitter than we did last time. It's Last a big game I of hide and go seek, basically trying to meet up it's with a, just a Vegas. bad scavenger hunt generally. And we'll probably be to your point on trend from 20 years ago as the places we're going, right? We are going Friday night to Omnia to see Chris Lake, who is a up and coming DJ. And then Saturday, we're going to see Kygo, who is a little bit more basic bitch than, than, you know, like a little bit older school, I guess, from that standpoint. But everyone's excited to see Kygo because we're all old AF. Um, and then we're probably going to be at Wet Republic for a loud luxury. So that gives you a sense of the places we'll be uh, if you guys are interested. And the golf course. We'll be on the golf course too. We'll be on the golf course. We'll playing, be playing win. It'll be I fun because yeah. maybe I played we'll, around. What's that? I played, I played last week in New York. Last I, took a, I took a eight-hour lesson, Rufus. Okay, Monday. so so you played like two rounds with somebody following you around the course and telling you what to do. I played. We played nine holes together, and then he kind of took me through a whole system of how to think about the game differently. Did you learn aim point? And then a little bit, and then he gave then me a didn't. lot of a lot of drills to work on, like for and like <clears throat> drills that he thinks transfer really well to the game. He says a lot of people go out and practice and that doesn't transfer to golf, but like actually like his philosophy was really cool. It's a guy by the name of Will Robbins. And I was telling Eben about this, our friend um, from Crowley town. And he suggested like having Will on the podcast because just some of the stuff that he was telling me, like, so he was telling me also, you know, one of the things is like my goal, especially if I am, you know, not, if I hit a, relatively poor tee shot like a short drive or something like that is to always get in regulation get within 100 yards in regulation so like basically making sure that i can get bogey right and then the the next thing is to get really good with my wedges game. from inside of 100 yards and and you know and his point is that the 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 level of skill that i'm at if i can do that what those things well i should never i should really never score more than a bogey and then i'll naturally get a few pars and naturally get a birdie or two or something like that and like right then i'm already shooting in the mid to low 80s which is like kind of what my goal is right as opposed to right now where i shoot in 
generally in the high 80s to low 90s. And uh, the philosophy, some of that stuff was really good. And then, and then just some of the, the drills he showed me were pretty fun. Like just a, just some putting games and some chipping games and things like that. Um, so and you'll then, have to show me, I'm interested because yeah, no, definitely it, it was, practicing it was, smarter is makes a lot of sense. It was super. And it was, it was like these practicing games that like, if you and I were, were together, we could do together and it'd be fun. There's like a putting game where he puts like, five tees about like four feet around the hole and then you got to go around and make one from each tee and you do it two times and it's best out of 10 right and you know like and then you you basically mark down you did it and you can't leave until you actually like get you know nine the next time or something like that so like if you're if you've already gotten eight and you're eight of nine and you're standing over this last one to make nine and you have to hit it to leave. It actually simulates a little bit of pressure. Yeah, but but if, I mean, eventually you have to leave, even if you don't hit them all, because they'll kick you out. Right, but there is there is some semblance of of pressure on it. What what I mean, what Tom and I do when we're practicing, if we're like on a chipping green or a putting green or something like that, is I mean, it, it's well actually chipping is we'll have uh, it's like closest to the pin, but you get it's like a point system. You get a point. It's like, what is it like? It's like bocce, right? You get, I think I haven't played bocce in a while, but where you get a point for each one you have closer than the other person's closest. Right. right? So if I, if I put, if more likely Tom puts three inside my closest out of, you know, four, then he gets three points. Yeah. And it, we worked a little bit on a lot on like chipping and like, I now kind of know how to pitch and chip the ball where I never really knew how to do it before. I was always trying to sweep under the ball and and now I'm really like he's focusing on getting me to like think about compressing and hitting the ball and divot and everything like that. So well, was, hopefully you're was, not taking divots with your chips. What's that? I said hopefully you're not taking divots with your chips. No, it's it's not it's not that, but it's the the concept of you know where where do you want to strike the ball to actually like compress it versus like trying to sweep the ball like mm -hmm. I was always trying to do before. So but um, anyways, he's, he was, he was great. Like he was recommended to me by Susie Whaley, who is the, you know, PGA former president of PGA of America. And it was, it was, it was interesting. I think I'll continue to work with him and see, he says awesome. he thinks he can get me if I really commit to practicing, he thinks he can get me to a single digit within a year. That's, that's impressive. We'll I see. played, I played around uh, with, with former podcast guest, Mark Brody, actually at his club. How was that? It was fun. It was good. It was it was cold and windy though. Is he a good golfer? Yeah, he's pretty good. He used to he actually won that club's championship back in 1991. Is he better than you or worse than you? Um, I think he scored better than me. I think I, I have a lower handicap though. What's your current handicap? Eight and a half, I believe. Mm. I so we're gonna have a little up? bet the process uh, cup, and then we'll probably do some team play. Because my buddy that's coming to play with me, us, is um, played at Cal, so he's a good golfer. So it'll be a good, it'll be a good matchup. We'll we'll figure out how to do team the teams. Maybe we'll just do random, but I don't think it can be him and Shane against the two of us. So it'd be kind of bad. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. Uh. Anything else you want to talk about, or should we just let the listeners go? Let's let them go. I think we've. we've oh, do we have a pick of the week? Time. Do you have a, any kind of pick? Ooh. I don't know where the markets are now for golf, but I like Bo Hostler to win, or I did, where where markets used to be. Is this this is a non elevated event? 
Correct. But but it's John Rahm is playing now. Huh. He's he's going off at let's see, I don't know when the last time we ran the scraper was, but I make Rom plus three forty and like he's going off at like plus two fifty. Is this gonna it, it places? Is this going to cause you to not bet on John Rom? Because I know your default is bet on John Rom every week because he's so good. I'm not betting, I haven't really been betting any golf. I'm um my all my mind is occupied by hemorrhaging money in, in baseball. It's it's really fun to do that. Um, I don't want to hemorrhage any in golf. Yeah. Well, if you want if you want to outright sweat, I like Bo Hostler. You, there's still some like 40 to ones, I think, out there on him. I still think there's I still have it as plus EB at 35 to one, but I make him 32 to one for whatever that's worth. Okay. Maybe I'll bet him to get a little sweat. Uh my pick of the week, I guess. I was like trying to look at the NBA games. I doubt this is going to get posted in time for tonight. Um, but the Celtics minus six over the the Hawks. I feel like they're probably going to tomorrow, right? Yeah, I think they're they don't probably play back to back days together. What's that? They don't play back to back days in the NBA anymore, right? No, not in the playoffs. Um, this is just so bad for the Celtics, though. They were like, they're now going to like they gave the Philly an, another two days to rest. They're going to have to go six games in this. Like they'd play their starter so much. It's just such a bad, it was such a bad game to lose last night. Well, I'm sorry yeah. for your loss. It was, it was, it was entertaining watching the end of it though. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad we got to watch an interesting game, I guess. Um, I don't know. The Sacramento Golden State series is so interesting. Have you followed these, the point spreads no. at all in this deep at all? You haven't at all. So I want no. to talk to you about it. But, but basically, yeah. basically, uh Sacramento was favored by a point in this game. The game one and two, the line opened with them being favored by a point. And then um De'Aaron Fox was uh announced to to be has a broken finger. And the line sort of immediately and was doubtful. The line immediately moved to like Golden State minus four and a half or four. And now they're saying he's gonna try to play, and it's now Golden State minus one and a half. So it's just kind of like an interesting, you know, value of a player. It seemed like a big shift. And then all of a sudden, um, what what is he going to play? What's the discount of him playing at that um, with that hurt? Okay. You done? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. All the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a of Reddit. 